Thanks for subscribing to the ZonCon podcast, the podcast all about Amazon conversations. These are the tips and tricks to become an Amazon millionaire. Here is your host, Andrew Erickson. He is all things Amazon, and so is this podcast. Let's have an Amazon conversation. Hey, guys. Welcome back to the ZonCon podcast. I'm Andrew, your host. I am here again with Justin Dyson. Justin, thanks for coming back on for a second episode. Thanks for having me, Andrew. Glad to be here again. Yeah, absolutely. And so, Justin, we talked about Justin's story, his little origin story of starting as a guy from a small town in Texas and then growing his business, a little bit of a roller coaster along the way at the very beginning, but then really expanding and growing his business and then finally going into a multi-seven-figure exit very recently, which is pretty exciting. That was episode 49. That's a really, really good one. You should definitely check that out. I also made Justin promise to come back on and talk a little bit more in depth on how he created that vision and that strategy for his Amazon business and how he kind of went from a really good million dollar a year revenue business, but then grew it from 1 million to many millions <laughs> using visions and strategies. So Justin, uh, does that sound about right? You kind of want the vision is really the key part, right? Yeah, I mean the vision the vision should set forth like what you not only want to achieve but also how you plan on achieving it. A lot of times we talk about tactics and strategies and we start there and we don't have the vision piece figured out. Well, tactics and strategies change all the time. So if your tactics and strategies are changing, well you can no longer be on the same vision if you haven't defined it. And that's honestly what we ran into a lot, you know, different tools created different tactics. Those tactics created different strategies. And as a result, even though we had a, I wouldn't even say we had an idea of where we were going, we were like, oh, this is growth. And our vision is growth. That's our vision. And it has to be more defined than that. And that's what I want to hopefully help you guys understand the difference and kind of how to create one. And not only your, for your business, but also your life, because your business exists to serve your life. You should not exist to serve your business. So that is, uh, that's kind of the key. And I think where we really want to kind of start with. So tell me, what can you give me a rough definition of what is a vision? Sure. So I'll be honest, like it's really hard to define it like really short and succinctly. And I think that's why so many people ignore it and also why it doesn't get taught very well or taught very often. But in a nutshell, right, your vision is not a strategy. It does not answer how. It doesn't even answer who or anything like that, right? Your vision says, here we are today. Here's where I want to go. And unfortunately, that's where people stop. But that's not a complete vision. That's just a goal, right? So a vision is kind of a compilation of goals. And it also encompasses everything that you want to achieve, not only in the business itself, but also in your life. So your vision, right, typically in most companies, it gets depicted as a mission statement. You know, we want to be the best HVAC company in America, right? That's not a vision. That's just like a wish or a goal or something to move towards, I guess. But a vision should define, okay, If I'm here today and I want to have a company, who does that company serve? Why do they serve them? How are we going to serve them better than anybody else? And then on top of that, and I think if you're the CEO, you're the owner of your business, you also have to include how that impacts your personal life. Most people create a vision for their company, but they never think to apply that back to your own personal goals and vision for yourself. And I think that's where we we see, or at least where I saw a lot of inconsistency in my own decision-making and things like that. So like I said, it's really hard to define, but ultimately it helps you figure out where you are, where you want to go. And it 
it sets the path forward so that you know which strategies you should pick up, which ones you shouldn't, and everything else falls in line after that. Yeah, that's great. And so uh, it's like kind of your guiding vision, your guiding picture of what you're doing, right? I'd love this idea of dream in HD, dream in high definition, where you really kind of say, here's where I want to go, here's where I want to be, and here's what I want to look like, right? It's not a dollar number. It's not, I want to sell 4,000 units, or I want to sell at $1 million, whatever. It's not really a vision. It's, it's I want to have this certain lifestyle. I want to have, I want to make this kind of impact on the world. I want to make, I want our customers to feel this kind of way and change them, have this kind of impact on the world, right? And so I think that's kind of what a vision is. So now we go from vision. Why don't you explain a little bit the difference between vision, strategy, and tactics? Because you mentioned before that tactics were driving strategy, which drives vision, but that's the opposite direction of what it's supposed to do, right? Yes. I mean, if you're in the Amazon business, everything is about tools and tactics, right? We have this tool that does this thing. So the tactic is to use this tool to do this thing. And we start there usually. But the problem is, what if the tool changes? What if the tactics change? Well, if that happens, then your strategy has to change. Well, if your strategy changes, you may not be going towards the vision that you thought you had. And like I said, you know, most times your vision is just growth. Well, growth is not a direction. Growth is an idea. It's a concept, but it, it doesn't give you any guiding light on where you need to move forward. So if your vision is the light post, right, out on the other side of the ocean, your strategy is simply, okay, we're going to take this route to get to that light post. However, the tactics are going to be, all right, we need to make sure we have, you know, this on the boat and we need this type of food and we're going to do it this way and we're going to operate the, we're going to man the boat in this certain way. And that's how we're going to get there. Tools, quite simply, is just all the crap on your boat, right? So the vision tells you which direction you're headed. The strategies are how you're going to achieve or get to that destination. And the tactics and tools are just the, the things that you use along the way to ensure that you can follow that strategy, which leads you to the vision. Nice. So, I like that. That's a good analogy. So I'll expand on that a little bit. So uh, the lighthouse is the vision. The route is a strategy. And you said tactics and tools. So tactics would be the having enough food, having enough fuel and stuff like that. And then the tools are like the literal rope that like holds the sail in or whatever, right? Exactly. That's good. And so there's a different, I, I love sailing. So like I, this is a, you're hitting keynote with me here. So with the captain is the one that kind of sets the vision. The yep. skipper, which is the, sometimes they're the same person, but the skipper is the one that kind of like operates the boat. That would be the strategist yep. person, right? The captain yep. would be the visionary. The skipper is the one who does the boat. And then the crew are the ones who kind of operate the boat, but they're taking their direction. So you're saying we have to be the captain, not the exactly. skipper and not the crew. Sometimes you're all three of them at the same time, but try to strive to be the captain of the boat. Exactly. And so, and this is important guys, because like I said earlier, if we start with the tools, we start with the tactics, like you will still get somewhere. You'll still move forward, but you may end up floundering a lot more than you would if you just knew where you wanted to be in, at the end of the journey, right? So like what this should look like, right? You're, you're starting this business or you, maybe you've started it. I, by the way, I didn't even set a vision for my company until like year three. So I, I felt the full effects of shiny object syndrome, changing tactics, changing strategies. I thought I was going to keep my company. Then I was like, oh, maybe I should sell it. Well, there's clearly not a consistent vision in that regard. And then also too, this, like I said, this vision should also tie back into your personal goals. Your business should serve you, not the other way around. So whenever you're casting this vision, one, you're going to have a vision for your company, which uh, just to give you an example, right? So in my company, we targeted or we were selling products to 
where we were serving women who just had a baby and ideally were breastfeeding, right? That's, that's who we serve. I'm obviously not the customer avatar. I'm not a breastfeeding woman uh, in case you were wondering. So we really I think had the, the to, goatee gives you away. <laughs> so what we had to do is we really had to define how we were going to do this, right? So we want to serve this person. Well, how are we going to do that? If you set the vision for this part of the business, it dictates exactly how you do everything else. So for example, okay, cool. We're serving moms or breastfeeding moms who just had a baby, maybe the first, maybe the second, it doesn't matter. Products that we sell are going to help that person. Now, okay, cool. Well, what products are you going to sell them and why are you selling them those? Well, the vision basically says, okay, we want to be able to sell them products that are functional and that they're fashionable. And we damn sure want to make sure they're a lot better than the products that currently exist on the market, which was actually the reason or the main driver for our whole product development side of the business, right? So we wanted to build functional products that were super fashionable and were an improvement on what existed in the market. That's how we're going to serve this customer. So the vision for that is simply we're going to serve moms who are breastfeeding moms by delivering to them products that are fashionable and are functional and serve a specific need, right? And in our case, it's breastfeeding. So that was really the vision for how we developed every single product. If the products that we were looking at didn't serve that purpose or that vision, we didn't consider it. And this is a huge deal because most of the time, especially in the beginning of your business, you have no idea what you're going to sell. You don't even, you're like, I'm just going to go look for more products or more opportunities on Amazon. And that works for a while. But at some point, you need to figure out who your customer is and why you're serving them and then how you're going to serve them, right? Now that again, this isn't a strategy. It doesn't say, you know, okay, so first thing we're going to do is this, and then we're going to be able to do that. Like we're not trying to solve those problems yet. Those come up later when you actually do a strategy session. But the vision is, who are we going to sell to and what do we want to do to make that happen, right? So that's where we should start. If we start there, we can develop a strategy based on that vision and then we can develop tactics to serve that strategy and then use tools to help make those tactics run more smoothly. So that's how we want that to move and progress forward. Nice. So, so the vision is provide products that are superior quality, highly functional and fashionable for breastfeeding moms. That's the vision. And so the strategy, you have this really clever strategy that I've heard you call the five pillars of Amazon. And I love this because it gives so much clarity of kind of like, here are the five pillars the five parts that hold up the roof, the hold up the building of your Amazon business. Tell us a little bit about those five pillars. Yeah. So I go into a lot of detail on these within the Titan Network, obviously. And these are the result of me failing for three years and then being forced to simplify my business into five key areas, right? And I'm going to go in order and these are in order of importance. So, and I'll explain why. So the first is product development, right? This is the first pillar. And the reason being, if you have nothing to sell, well, you don't have a business at this point, right? So product development is key. Second one is it's great that you have these products, but we need to launch them now. So second pillar is product launching. The third is listing optimization. So quite simply, we develop products, we launch them. Now we need to make sure they remain profitable, right? So doing listing optimization and making sure that you're producing a profit. The fourth pillar is PPC. So everybody knows you typically fall into one of two buckets. One, you don't spend enough on PPC to actually have a positive impact in your business. Or two, you spend so much money, you eat up all the profit in your business. So it's a very core component. And so number four is PPC. And the last one, and this is last for a reason, it's audience building and utilization. Most people get the audience building piece down, but they have no idea what to do with it after they've built it. 
And the reason it's last is because for most people, unless you have MM, was it MRR product, a monthly recurring revenue type of product, so supplements, skin creams, beauty products, stuff like that, those types of products, it benefits you to build an audience and use it sooner. But for most products, and especially in our case with the baby products, people only have babies, you know, once a year, usually. I, I don't think you can have more than two a year, if, unless science is wrong. But <laughs> so with that, audience building utilization. So building this audience and then being able to effectively use it. And this is the kicker, because if you do this fifth pillar well, it should make development, launching, and listing optimization insanely easier. So these five core pillars are independent, but they should work together in conjunction so that your business runs smoothly. And the ultimate goal is to make your business boring, right? Ah, nice. That's good. We we have a tendency to overcomplicate literally everything, right? It's like, how do we get sales? Well, we could do this. We could do that. I'm telling you guys, make your business boring. Product development, launch products, optimize those products, make sure your ads are running optimally, and then build a list to be able to make the first three pillars especially work much better and faster. So if we can really distill and break this business down, those are the five key things you need to do. It's not going and selling on Walmart or Shopify or learning how to run Pinterest ads or Instagram or whatever. Don't be wrong. Those are tactics that you could use, but the strategy and the core principles behind how we want to achieve, you know, building this business and serving that customer comes down to those five key things. So that's, that's really what for us in year three, we, we scaled back. So we, we had this business, we were still growing where I can't remember, it was like 2.2 million or something that year. And if we were going to continue to grow, we either needed to hire a bunch of people to keep up with the crap that we had going on, or we needed to figure out and distill down, okay, what really needs to happen? And at the end of the day, these are the five pillars. So I want to briefly go through each one and explain what it looks like to do these well and why you may be struggling with each of these. So starting with the first one, starting with product development, what does that mean, right? Obviously, searching for opportunities, coming up with those product ideas, whatever. But to do this well, you cannot produce or develop one or two products at a time. You need to have, again, going back to that vision, if you know the person you want to serve, you know the type of products that they're looking for, then you can figure out at January 1st of 2021 or whatever year you're in, okay, we can come up with 50 to 100 ideas for this specific niche because we know exactly who we serve and the direction we're headed. So if that's the case and what we started to do and what was really cool is I didn't actually do this in my business. One of my staff did and he did a fantastic job, significantly better than I did. But we sat down and said, okay, we want to launch four products, you know, every month or every other month, depending on how the boat gets here from China. So we sat down and said, okay, if we're going to do this and we have a 90 day lead time, we cannot just come up with four products at a time. We need to come up with like 20, 30, 40. So that yes. in case, you know, one of those products is a failure or we decide not to move forward with it, we have things ready to go. So your product development life cycle should look like this. At the beginning of the year, you figure out generally just a rough idea of the types of products you want to sell. You go to your manufacturers or you find new ones if you have to, but you go to those manufacturers and say, hey, this is what I'm looking for. You do the full development phase, Right. You get samples, you confirm those samples, you confirm the price, you make sure your margins are there. And you do this at the start of the year, not throughout the year. What I find so many times is we want to develop things for Q1 or for Q2 or whatever. Well, if you don't develop things for Q2 and Q1, then you're not going to have anything for Q2, right? You can't just launch products all the time without developing new ones or you're not going to have anything left. 
And this becomes ever more important if you develop or if you source in China. We have this thing called Chinese New Year, and it is a huge black hole in the product development cycle. So if you aren't planning this out at least six months prior, you will go through an entire Q1 or possibly Q2 without launching a single product. But we do know that the fastest lever for growth in this business is launching new products. You know, Andrew says this all the time, ABL, ABL, always be launching. Me and him totally align on this. But in order to do that, you have to develop products way in advance and make sure that you have things lined up. And all you have to do is say, hey, supplier, make a thousand of these, a thousand of these, and a thousand of these, right? Or however many products you want to launch at a time. So Justin, I, yes, I love that. I always say ABL, ABL, ABL. <laughs> so always be launching, always be launching, always be launching. And of course, but like you said, to be launching, you must be developing, right? Yeah. And so I'd like to hear from you, someone who's experienced and has done this and has the relationships with the suppliers and has all that different stuff. When you kind of go from ideation, let's say, I'm sure you're always kind of like thinking about it, but when you kind of go from that like, I've now chosen this product. I would like to get a quote, a sample, a uh, maybe two different samples, and then produce it and then ship it and then launch it. How long does that usually take for you and your team? So yeah, to go from ideation to samples to confirmation, when we did this, I think we had 55 products we did this with simultaneously. And wow. it took about two months. And this was multiple samples. So we got the first ones like, nope, don't like this at all change this or whatever. And then we got additional samples. So and some of these products actually had three waves of samples because they just couldn't get it the way we wanted. So for us, it was about two months time. And luckily, we already had stuff in development. So we were still able to launch during that period. But it, it does take a while, right? Especially if you're doing that many products, and especially if you're working with multiple manufacturers. So what I want to get at is, is that even with your experienced team, it still takes you two months to, 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 sample, to request, and you already have factories, and you already have these relationships set up. It takes you yeah. two months to get samples, right? Yep. Maybe three months. And then your production time, is it 60 days or 30 days? Yeah, our production time is 60 days. Yeah, okay, so now we're at five months, and then it yeah. takes your sea shipping most of your stuff, right? Yeah, all of it, yeah. Yeah, so now you're at six months, and uh, so you're launching from like, basically your first email to your launch is six months, and that's Justin's team is already well developed and everything else. And that's kind of like the ideal scenario. So let's say it, it takes six to nine months to actually go from idea to product. That is why I'm just reiterating the point that that's why you need to work on multiple at the same time, because exactly. it takes so long. You'd only get, if you did one all the way through, it would take, you would only do one per year. That sucks, right? We want to do a lot more than that. So that's why it's important that you have like that, that pipeline going on with the product development. Absolutely. So like core strategy, number one, you know, first pillar product development. Now moving on to this next one, launching quite simply, you can't just develop things, you have to sell them. So we want to launch and for this strategy to work. And this is something we really screwed up with early on is your launch strategy, like your plan for launching a product should be the same as much as possible from one product to the next. Now, obviously, this will differ depending on the type of product in regards to like a supplement with super high competition versus, you know, products that we go after, which are much lower competition, you know, the length of time to launch will change. However, the actual process, the things you set up, if, you know, in Titan, we talk about mini chat, rebate, search fund buy, all those things, right? We use the same process every single time. Like I was saying, you want your business to be boring. It cannot be boring if you're changing things every time. And we used to change things every single time to try something new to see if it would work better. And at the end of the day, it just made things take longer and were less profitable as a result. So your launch strategy should quite simply be the same thing 
every single time for every single product. You shouldn't even have to look at it because your team has done it time and time and time again. So that's essentially what it should be. So just for example, in our business, we're using the same strategy. It's search, find, buy, right? So Facebook ad, send those people into mini chat, give them instructions for go to Amazon or go to the app, search for this keyword, find it, buy it. And then we're actually using seller tools to automate the rebate and order verification process. So we use that same strategy every single time. Now, caveat, we also run PPC. That is a must. You cannot not run PPC for that strategy to work. So that's part of it. And then we do some other things as well. But for the most part, those are the two core functions or I guess core tactics, if you will, of our launch strategy. So fairly simple. That one's easy to understand. Yep. Or to have you come back on and do like a full in-depth on launching because you, you've done like many several hour long master classes on it. Yeah, they're all like three hours long. <laughs> <laughs> there's just a lot of, there's just a lot going on, right? No product launch. So yep. moving on. So we've got these products we developed. We've launched these products. Now we need to make sure they remain profitable. So one of the tools that I like to use is actually from Helium 10. They have a tool called Profits. Um, Celix has a similar tool, I believe, and Seller Legend does as well. And basically what we're looking at is okay, factoring in my cost of goods, my PPC spend, and just all of Amazon's fees, what is, I guess, essentially your, it's not really gross profit, but that's kind of what we're going to call it for this example. What's your gross profit per SKU? You knew when you developed the product that you had a margin target in mind, right? You knew that, okay, this product should have a 30% margin. But when it comes to listing optimization, we need to look at, okay, well, this is our target. What is our reality? Are we spending too much on PPC? Are we not spending enough? Are we getting enough impressions? And listing optimization, this is something that it really does take constant attention. And it is the one thing that we tend to not do because it's, you can still grow the business and completely ignore this, right? If you're developing products all the time and launching all the time, then you could have products fall off the bandwagon and produce no profit or no sales and you might not even notice. But for listing optimization, it's really the core focus for us has been, where's our profitability with this product? and Let's do some type of optimization strategy, which here's a cool part. Our optimization strategy is the same as our product launch strategy. So we don't even have to do anything new. So going back nice. to making things boring, we're going to do a search, find, buy, mini chat campaign, whatever, and re-rank for keywords. Because most of the time, the reason your product lost you know, visibility is because it fell off the rank for keywords. Now, there are definitely other symptoms. Maybe your product listing is crap now compared to competitors. We do look at these things. But for the most part, the same thing has to happen. Once you've identified the conversion issue, well, you can fix it all you want to, but if you don't relaunch it, you're going to have to wait several months before you realize the effects of making those improvements to your listing. So that's number three, listing optimization, constant attention on profitability, and then using our launch strategy to get that where it needs to be. So number four, PPC. So I just want to say a couple points on PPC. This is, first of all, this is probably the easiest thing to pass off in your business simply because it's entirely data driven that you, you don't have to really think too much about anything other than what are these numbers telling me? Okay. What action should I take now with that? I've had very little success working with these big firms on PPC or fully automated software on PPC. And the reason being is while yes, it is data driven, who wants to spend a bunch of money for the software or the algorithm to learn that this keyword isn't good or that these search terms that this keyword keeps firing for are no good. I don't want to spend $10 before it turns off a search term, right? So for PPC, quite simply, you need to have a strategy, a weekly maintenance strategy. That's step one, right? So on a weekly basis, what are the things that we're going to do? And for us, there's three. One, 
We're going to adjust our bids up or down based on our ACOS target and also on, and by the way, ACOS and true ACOS are considered here. Our tacos target and our ACOS tacos. I keep saying the wrong thing. You know what I'm trying to say. So ACOS <laughs> and tacos, right? So first thing, adjust bids. And, and just to clarify, that. just to clarify for everyone, ACOS is how much you spend. So if you spent 10 bucks and you made $30 in sales, that would be 10 over 30, which is one third. So you'd have a 33% ACOS. And I think most everyone knows what ACOS is. But then there's this other term, true ACOS or total ACOS, or my favorite one's tacos. The other um, more generic term than that, it's not an Amazon term, is they call marketing contribution. So it's how much of your revenue you're dedicating to advertising. And generally, you want to target for 10. But just just to clarify, tacos is like a marketing contribution. Yep, absolutely. So adjusting bids. Next is eliminating search terms that don't provide a return, right? So everybody has, you know, random search terms that show up in your campaigns. You need to get rid of those, right? On a routine basis. And then third is, okay, if there's bad search terms, there's also good ones. And we need to put those good ones in our campaigns as keywords, right? So that we can optimize the bid and we can really maximize our profitability on those particular keywords. So for us, that's our routine weekly maintenance plan. We use Samurai Seller to do this. It's semi-automated. We actually use it kind of in a weird way. We actually turn all of the thresholds for the global settings all the way down so that we see everything or as much as we can in that tool. And we use our own filtering system uh, instead. So that's, that's the weekly maintenance plan, right? And then from there, now you can get creative if you want to really dive into things that are, you know, you've only spent, or here's a perfect example. I call it wasted ad spend. It wasn't even a fancy term. So it's just, we just call it wasted <laughs> ad spend. And basically it's for every single search term that we spend less than our profit margin for that product on. I want to see what those are. When we started looking at this in like 2018 or something, we were spending $35,000 a month on search terms that had no sales. And Mm -hmm. all of these search terms, we were spending less than our profit margin. So even though we may have only spent 25 cents in the past 30 days on this term, there were 10,000 of those, right? Or 20,000 of those. Can't remember exactly how many we had. So those are like things you can do in addition. But long story short, PPC, weekly maintenance plan, and then do some other fancy stuff later on. And last tip on PPC, if you want to hire a staff person to do this, or you want to hire an expert to take this over for you, I found a lady who she came to me and she said, Hey, I'd love to be able to give you a analysis of your PPC campaigns and see if I can help you. And this was a Facebook message. I don't even know why I responded, but I did. And I was like, okay, sure. So I let her look at my campaigns and I, I think I gave her my search term report or whatever. I know some people like up in the air, like, Oh my God, don't do that. I'm like, what is she going to do with it? I was like, I've been doing this business for like four years. But anyways, so she looked at it and she gave me a report of 12 pages of things that she would change and why so that I could do it myself if I wanted or she would do it for me. So needless to say, I hired that lady, gave her a three-month onboarding period and she freaking crushed it, dropped our ACOS 10% and increased our sales at the same time. So it was a super, super big win for us. But that's kind of what I would recommend if you're going to hire out for that position, find somebody who actually knows what they're doing and they can deliver that before you hire them, not wait until you spend a bunch of money and find out they don't know what they're doing. Nice. So, all right, last one here, audience building and utilization. So quite simply, you want to use your audience for three primary purposes. The first is, like I said, to help with the first three pillars. So product development, ask your audience what they want to buy from you. It's so obvious and yet we don't do it. And I didn't do it for a long time either. But if you will ask them and have them help you develop your products, well, guess what? They're already a raving fan of that product because they were the ones who helped come up with it. So that's the first. Second is 
in regards to the second pillar, they're going to help you launch. So everyone who had a voice and an opinion on the development of that product will go back to them and say, hey, we made your product for you now. Go buy it. So that's the second piece. And then thirdly is what everyone tries to do mostly unsuccessfully is just resell to that customer. And the reason this fifth pillar is last is because if you only have one product, you are very, very limited on what you can use your audience for. So personally, and I know this is controversial, I don't think you should put a huge emphasis on building a list until you know how to use it. But you don't even have to know how to use it. You just have to be able to use it, right? If you have one product and you can't launch anything else for six months because you don't develop products fast enough, well, guess what? That audience that you're building is going to be worthless six months later. So why waste your time, right? So that's the last pillar, right? So those are the three main things for that particular piece. So use them for product development, use them for launching, and then resell them things as you need to either optimize listings, so send them an offer for something that's lost some keyword rank or whatever. So that's how we want to use that list. And those are the five core pillars of Amazon. Nice, man. Woo! That was good. I love that. So the we got a little down in the weeds there and got very technical on some of the stuff, but the big thing of the pillars that you can see why this gives a lot of this gives strategic vision, right? So we talked about vision being the kind of the guiding principle. We use the lighthouse example, right? That's the lighthouse. The five pillars is our route. That's the route that the uh, boat takes through the ocean, right? And yeah. those five pillars are product development, launching, listening optimization, PPC, which is advertising and audience building and utilization. And of course, with that comes tactics of like, how do you tweak the thing, whatever, and tools, what kind of software and little tactics and stuff like that that we use. But you can see here to bring it back to the beginning, you start with vision, you start with where you want to go. You then go into strategy and the five pillars here, I love the five pillars so much. And then from the strategy then drives tactics, and then for the tactics, you use certain tools to drive those tactics. And so like, I love the point that you made earlier, Justin, that you don't want to just have some strategy for like some sort of giveaway rank thing. That's your tactic. That doesn't then drive your strategy and vision. It's supposed to be the other way around, right? Exactly. Yep. Cool. I love that, man. It gives a lot of clarity. And so I want to talk just a little bit about how you use this with your team. You said that it's boring and that you have, you mentioned a couple of your team members are the ones that kind of develop some of these techniques and you want it to be nice and boring so that it's easy and repeatable. So how does this help with your team to get up to a multi-million dollar business? Sure. So, I mean, it really just goes back to that. If you can make it boring, you can make it repetitive. Well, then now you can document it. And if you can document it, someone else can learn it. And if they can learn it, they can run it. And if they run it, you don't have to. And then you can use your time to go into another pillar if you don't currently have anything documented for that or whatever. So when we evaluate our business on these five core pillars, we're looking at one of two things. One, how well did we perform it? And then two, do we even have a defined process for it? If we don't, then chances are it's not performing at the level that it could. So when you're developing a team or you know, bringing them on, or if you already have a team and you want them to run certain aspects of this pillar, we document everything. So the product development process, it's documented. We have videos on it. We have an SOP on it. And that's delivered to whoever's running that side of the business. And if you can, have them write the SOPs for it, have them record the videos, right? You will obviously help them if they're learning, but for the most part, they can do all the recordings and they can do all of the SOPs as well. So that when they get promoted, they can pass those off to somebody else and teach them how to do it and you're completely hands off. And this was following these five core pillars is actually how I got out of my day-to-day -day role within the business. So I had three or four primary, yeah, I guess four primary people 
in the business running these. So the first, which was technically my COO, he was doing product development and launching and listing optimization. We had a, the lady I was telling you about that ran our PPC. And then we had a social media manager, customer service lady who is running the audience building piece and utilization. So they all work in tandem with one another. And then I just give them guiding points, making sure they understand the vision and then they can implement the strategy to make sure we hit the vision. Nice. And, you know, I remember meeting you, Justin, in China Magic three and a half years ago. It was China Magic 3, right? I don't even remember which one it was, but I think so. Long time ago. So some event. It was a conference we went to in China, and it's, it's hosted by Athena. That We talked to Athena. We talked about China Magic. So, And when I met you, I was like, oh, this guy's really smart and, like, really good at what he's doing. And he's about, I think you were just a little bit above me at the time in terms of revenue. But you seemed really stressed out. <laughs> you were like constantly like answering messages and diving into this and doing that. You weren't able to come out with us in the evening because you were kind of like really having a hard time being at a conference, being going to a trade show and operating the business at the same time. Sure. And now when I talk to you, Justin, you're kind of like, well, the business is humming along and I don't really have anything to do anymore. <laughs> like everyone else is doing it for me. And so I, I can see, and that was right about the time you started doing this vision strategy and tactic strategy, right? Yep. Yeah. It was literally like two months later, I learned about this concept. So yeah. So going from way overworked, way overstressed, doing well, but you know, doing good, doing good, but not doing like uh burning out for sure. <laughs> yeah. Doing well, but burning out Justin into a, uh, very calm, cool, and much wealthier, Justin. I think this is the key. This is the key right here, guys. Absolutely. Cool, Justin. Well, I love that. The five pillars. I'll make sure to write that out a little bit in the show notes that you guys can grab a copy of that. I don't think we have anything to share. Maybe, yeah. Okay, cool. Add that in the show notes. And one thing I like to ask everyone is your big why, which we talked about already in Justin's first episode, which was episode 49. I want to hear more about, I want to get a couple of tips from you on what kind of books, website, podcasts, conferences, people that you learned these strategies in particular from. Yeah. So there's a few in particular, actually. So one, when it actually came to vision, the first experience I had even considering it was actually in China Magic. So Dan Ashburn, he, he had talked about it and it was the first time I'd ever really written it out. And that was kind of the first part of that. And then also to, you know, going to that particular event, I learn things that I didn't even know existed. You know, going to conferences, going to events, you hear these ideas from other people and they're things that you may have not even considered, right? You don't know what you don't know. And so I'm always a big fan. You know, China Magic is a good one. I really like SellerCon. I've been to almost all of those since I started selling on Amazon. So those are probably my two favorite. I also really like the Capitalism Conference. That's a really good one too. It's not Amazon specific. It's more like thinking bigger, realizing business exists outside of the Amazon world. And there's all sorts of things you can get into with, you know, the profits you get from this business. So I think, I think that's kind of the next step, which I guess kind of ties back into, you know, my why and like my own vision for my own life is, you know, we built this business, we grew it, we sold it. And then it's kind of like, now what? Well, obviously I want to contribute. I want to give back. That's why I, I train other Amazon sellers on this stuff. But the other part of it is, there's an entire world of business and entrepreneurship out there that extends beyond Amazon. And if we can find a way to connect this model, it's a cash flow model, right? Like it produces a lot of cash. So how do we take that and use that and invest in other areas of business? And now we can really cook with some oil. Now we can really progress our life and move things forward. So I'm really hoping to expand upon that idea 
do it myself several times and then obviously teach what I learned along the way. Nice. Cool, Justin. And let's finish up with one actionable thing that Amazon sellers can do today. Yeah. Well, for sure, definitely sit down and try to figure out, you know, where you're going. That's step one, right? Establish a vision. Now that you have these pillars, right? You know, it's going to be very tempting to just like, all right, I'm just going to follow these pillars. But you got to remember these pillars serve a purpose. They serve a vision and you should definitely define that first. And then the other thing, and I alluded to this, I think on the last podcast we did, I did talk about vision as far as like the action item goes, but really tie it back into your own life. Don't just stop with your company. Like I said in the beginning of this podcast, your business is there to serve you, not the other way around. And if you let it, it will absolutely force you to serve itself, which Mm -hmm. is exactly what happened to me when, or what was happening to me when me and Andrew first met. So figure out where you want to go. Do you want to sell this thing? Do you want to keep this thing? What outcome are you looking to get with either one of those? And really define that. Keep that top of mind and write it down. Create a vision board. Do something. But you need to define it and it needs to be written down or plotted out in a way that it will keep it at the forefront of your mind so that when you're doing the things every day, you're not getting burnt out and it will help influence the decisions you make moving forward. Perfect. There you go. That's a good actionable item right there, Justin. I appreciate you being here and sharing your take on vision and your five pillars and everything else, Justin. Thanks so much. Thanks, Andrew.